The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. Welcome to another program with Truths to Live By, a ministry of Harriman Baptist Tabernacle in Harriman, Tennessee. You're listening to Brother Benjamin Cooley. I pray we would be a blessing to you today. With our Bibles open today to Psalm 69, we'll begin our reading with verse 1 after a word of prayer together. Father, it is in Jesus' name that I come now, and I pray for his sake, and that he would be glorified, Lord, that the saints might be edified. Touch the preaching time, I pray, and call sinners unto yourself through the word of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Psalm 69 is quoted perhaps more than any other psalm in the New Testament, excepting the 22nd Psalm. It is a psalm of prophecy, a messianic psalm. In verses 1 through 21, our Lord cries out in agony of soul. Gethsemane and Golgotha are in view. And then verses 22 down through verse number 28, our Lord cries out in victory of soul. Perhaps he is still there upon the cross, reflecting on the fact that when God's love is rejected, then the only thing left is the wrathful judgment of God. Or it is the battle of Armageddon and the victory accomplished in the valley of Megiddo in view. The Lord cries out then in verses 29 through 36 in glory of soul, in anticipation of that period of the millennial kingdom and the righteous reign of Christ upon this earth. Our focus will be in verses 1 through 21, as we see the Lord Jesus crying out in agony of soul in Gethsemane and Golgotha. Now for verse 1. Save me, O God, for the waters are come in 
unto my soul. And verse 1 begins the Lord Jesus suffering under a great burden. It continues through verse number 12. First, he suffers under the load of sin. I believe our Lord is being made sin for us. You should compare with Psalm 22, verses 1 through 3, Matthew 27, verses 45 and 46. Jesus, our Lord, is being buried, if you will, underneath this great and heavy burden, even the sin of all the world. John the Baptist, the book of John, chapter 1, verse 29, would say, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. In order to take away the sin of the world, he must bear the sin of the world. Praise God for Christ, the sin bearer. And thus he is buried beneath the waters. Verses 1 and 2. He cries out for deliverance, for preservation from what he saw coming, even sin and judgment. Look to Matthew twenty six thirty nine, John twelve twenty seven, and John eighteen eleven. Our Lord was to drink of the cup of suffering, which included that he must be made sin for us. The waters of sin were now rushing into his soul. Verse number one Save me, O God, for the waters are come in unto my soul. Then in verse 2, the deep waters, yes, the flood tides of the wrath of God, sweep over his soul. And he says, I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I am come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. Why? Because he's been made to be our sin. And thus he would redeem us. But first he must sink in the deep mire. He would suffer as a drowning soul in the sea of sin, under the weight of our sin, but under the wrath of God's judgment against our sin. All of this for the sinner, for you, for me, for the world. He was buried beneath the waters, but then he was buried beneath weariness. Verse number three, I am weary of my crying. My throat is dried. Mine eyes fail while I wait for my God. Christ is weary from his crying. He has cried out with such intensity and frequency that the moisture of his throat is all dried up and the rivers of his tear ducts have flowed freely and fully until they ran dry. He was weary from his waiting. He's cried out to God to save him. In verse 1, no answer has come. He's waiting, and he will wait for an eternity in the space of those hours upon the cross. Due to his infinite and eternal nature, he could suffer our eternity in that span of time. He waited and was given no answer that the sinner might not have to wait in hell for an eternity 
and cry out to God and never, ever be answered. But then verse 4, he is buried beneath the wrath of his enemies. They that hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of mine head. They that would destroy me, being mine enemies wrongfully, are mighty. Then I restored that which I took not away. A host of enemies had gathered themselves together to crucify Jesus. However, their hatred was without a cause. They were his enemies wrongfully. There was not one thing about Christ that his enemies could use against him. He was perfectly right, and thus without wrong, and thus without sin, yet he suffered underneath the raging waves of the wrath of his enemies and their hatred against him. Verse 5, he is buried beneath the weight of sin. O God, thou knowest my foolishness, and my sins are not hid from thee. Now again our Lord was perfect, and he is yet perfect. He had no personal sin of his own to claim ownership of, for he was without sin. However, by way of identification, after our Lord Jesus had drank from his Father's cup and been made to be sin for us, he could say this, and he must say this, for he is now dying as our sin, and thus he could say, and this verse can be applied, and my sins are not hid from thee. He became our substitute, and God made him to be sin for us. This is far above my understanding, but it was necessary if the holiness of God would be satisfied, then our sin must be dealt with. And the only one who could pay the price for the sin of the world was the precious, perfect, spotless Lamb of God who is holy and harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, without spot, without blemish, and who is made higher than the heavens, even Jesus our Lord. He is suffering under the load of sin. But then verses 6 through 12, he is suffering under the load of shame. He says, Let not them that wait on thee, O Lord God of hosts, be ashamed for my sake. Let not those that seek thee be confounded for my sake, O God of Israel. Because for thy sake I have borne, he is bearing, he is suffering, I have borne reproach, shame hath covered my face. Not only did he bear the sin of the world, but Christ bore the shame that went along with the world's sin. This is a great burden, as well as the sin, and how heavy the load must have been. For he who knew no sin now knows sin and the shame of our sin. He was to become a worm, not even be considered a man, and he was to be despised and even be the reproach of men. According to Psalm 22, 
Verse 6, he was to become a very shame himself, all in behalf of the sinner. Yet he enjoyed hope in spite of the shame. Verses 6 through 9, their supplication proceeding forth from his heart. Verse 6, their satisfaction being wrought between God the Father and God the Son. Praise the Lord for the sake of the Father, because for thy sake, O God of Israel, For thy sake, Christ said, as a mighty champion, I have borne reproach. Shame hath covered my face. Yes, it was for me. Yes, it was for you. Yes, it was for the sinner. But first, it was for the sake of God that he became this sacrifice, that he bore our sin, that he bore our shame, and the glory of God is vindicated The holiness of God is satisfied. Praise the Lord for such a God as our God, for such a Savior as our Savior. His name is above every name. Yes, the name of Jesus Christ is the one name and the only name by which the men of this world must be saved. But then he suffers separation. Verse number 8 The Lord recalls the sanctification that marked the life of his dear son. Verse 9, then we see the element of substitution. The reproaches of them that reproach thee are fallen upon me. The latter part of verse 9, and our Lord bore reproach, not his own, but ours. With strength and selflessness, he became our sin. He bore our shame, yet he enjoyed hope in spite of the shame there upon the cross. We thank you for making this ministry a part of your day. And in closing, we want to point you to the words of our Lord in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. He answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And truly, it is written. God's word, every word, presents us with truths to live by. You've been listening to Brother Benjamin Cooley. Please send all correspondence to Truths to Live By, P.O. Box 575, Harriman, Tennessee, 37748. Or you can email us at bmarkcooley at gmail.com. And finally, brethren, pray for us.